Welcome to the Land Your Bet Sports Betting Podcast. Josh Lander coming to you as always, looking at a Friday slate of NBA action. Got plenty of games on the slate here after a really small Thursday night with just two games that we were looking at on that NBA Coast to Coast podcast with my homeboy Nate there, co-host for a few years. We are looking really hot right now. Hopefully you're following along on Wednesday night's really big slate where we had a really good night. So we're going to take a look at how we've been doing really quickly. Uh, Then we're going to move very much so into what we've got for Friday. We've got a couple early looks in that game for you couple lines that still aren't up hopefully by the time you are listening or watching to this they will be ready and available for you i'll talk about them in terms of how i would play them if they move from what they are at right now things like that so that you're not really left hanging high and dry because i've given you stale numbers so we'll make sure that you are prepared for when you are ready to make your bets on friday when you are listening to this uh and we'll get right into it so let's kick things off with just how we've done so that you know how awesome that we've been because we've made some pretty good money over the last couple days man on wednesday we went six and oh we were up six units on best bets we also went three and oh on player props up 3.8 units so we went nine and oh total on wednesday for nine point nine units made some pretty good money myself i put money on all the bets that nate made as well on the season as if, if you're watching on youtube you can see that record here it is 58 and 44 plus 15 units on the year right now between nate and myself and i'll be really clear in this video and moving forward about which picks are mine and which picks are nate's as well so you can see how we're both doing and, and choose who you'd like to tail if you'd like to do so uh, on best bets we're well over 500 up 10 units 32 and 24 and then in player props at 500 but up five units, about 4.8 to be specific, because we do like to get a couple of those plus money bets in there. Sometimes we've got those player performance doubles where we take the winner of that game and a certain player to pit to score a certain amount of points, get a certain amount of rebounds, and that juices you up nicely to get us at that plus money with these player props. So like I said, feeling really good. Continue to follow along. If you would, you can check out the Coast to Coast podcast on the lines.com's YouTube page. That's who Nate and I are senior, senior NBA contributors for. Uh, so we get those up each and every weekday. And I'm also talking about those picks over here. Uh, I'm going to be talking about slates early sometimes. When Nate and I can get to slates early, I'm just going to go ahead and give you the picks here as well uh, and get those out for you really early. I know some of you are only listening on audio, so I want to make sure that you're able to have those on your way to work and things of that nature. For those of you on YouTube, really appreciate it. Go ahead and like and subscribe if you would. Super, super helpful. I'm going to be getting some shorts out there with the picks and all that. But let's move right into it, man. Uh, let's look at Friday's best bets and start with that. We've got four picks here. Nate has two, I've got two, and we really align on these. So I don't really want to like make too much of a separation between the the two, because like I said, we're conferring with each other. And I know a few other guys as well to get all of the picks that we put together. Um, But, you know, like I said, it's just nice to know who you're getting what from. uh, And the information that I'm giving you is going to be information that we both looked up and both gave to each other. So first pick here. Mavs minus two. That's Nate's first one. And they're playing the clips. And I, I think it's a pretty good spot as well. I got to agree with Nate. Like I said, I agree on all of these, but uh, it's just really time to fade the clips, man. You just got to roll on with it. Lu- Ty Lu, their head coach said, this might take 10 games to figure out. And they're currently on the last of a four game road trip. That's been co- pretty unkind to them. The, the next reason I would give you is the Mavs have just been great overall. They're going to be one of the surprise teams of the year, I think. Luka has had trouble at the beginning of seasons in past, and that is not the case this year. I, I think if he was smoking hookah and eating caviar on boats in the Mediterranean in past, in years past, this past offseason, he was not doing that. He looks incredible and incredible shape and like one of the most off, uh, unstoppable offensive players in the league right now. And and that's really what we bank on here. Uh, Kyrie 
to date has been nice and quiet and just putting up his 20 to 22 points per game. Hope that continues. A really nice surprise for them has been Derek Lively. Maybe a surprise to some of us, but probably not a surprise to the Mavs who took him so early in the draft. The rookie center has done an excellent job with a plus 8.4 rating on the season when he's on the floor. And I just I don't think there's going to be much on the other side for the Clips to deal with him. To be honest, Dubach is not an above the rim guy. And that's really where it all ends unless Kawhi plans on playing a little bit more above the rim. They lost any of the sort of muscle that they might have had to deal with, with a guy like Lively in Rocco, maybe a little bit of even Batum, who's a savvy vet. Marcus Morris none of that there anymore for them they're going to have a lot of problems on the board uh, on the boards as their 27th in rebound percentage are the clips and that's not going to be good uh, against a team that in in Dallas that has been much much better on the boards this season so far Uh, their offensive rating we know for the Mavs is incredible number one uh, in terms of three-pointers made on the season. They've also done a really good job of forcing turnovers, which is kind of something that I'd be worried about with this awful spacing for the Clippers and the way that certain guys loaf around. We're not going to name names, but certain guys whose names rhymes with Schmames, Schmarden, don't really like to play too much defense and really don't like to get back once there's a turnover of some kind is is liable to throw a lazy pass every now and again. So I just think that there's a lot of turnovers that will continue to be prone for LAC, who has had 21 assists to 16 turnovers per game in their last three since they started this new experiment where it's just that's that's not a good assist to turnover ratio for those of you keeping track at home. The clunkiness of that offense has led to the uh, 103 offensive rating, which is good for second worst in the NBA. So fade the clips that continues the Mavs minus two. They're a good bet when they're healthy and they should be healthy enough in this one. My first pick specifically was OKC. And that's an interesting one because I took OKC plus two and a half because that's what it opened at. And I actually hit it like three times since in between when I started researching it. And since I'm uh, giving this to you right now, but also in that time, De'Aaron Fox was ruled officially out, which means the books took down the lines for this OKC and Sacramento game. And I'm going to just hit it when it comes back up, because I don't think it's going to be much more than like minus three for OKC. Once this line pops back up without D Fox, I, I hope I assume rather that the books are not taking into account how bad this Kings team is without De'Aaron Fox. I don't know that they're going to give us they're going to give enough of a reason for me not to take OKC again at minus three. I've got it listed here in the video at minus two and a half. That would be a full five point swing from when they took it down at plus two and a half OKC to when they would bring it back up at this minus two and a half that I could see them doing it at could be minus three. I would still take that. So like I said at the top, I'm not going to give you a stale number. I don't even have a number (laughs) to give you right now. But the number that I would put out there that I projected for myself is that this should be like three, three and a half in favor of OKC, even though they're on the road against a really good home team normally in the Sacramento Kings, that's just not going to be the case without De'Aaron Fox. I don't care if they're playing this game on freaking Uranus. Uh, doesn't De'Aaron Fox is not in the game. And that means that this is a much, much worse, really going from like a top five team in the West, potentially, I'm just saying potentially to easily uh, uh, no better than like eighth to 12th, let's say without him. Uh, they're, they're really bad right now. And that's giving the Rockets uh, uh, their due credit for beating this team as well, the way that they did two games in a row in terms of the Kings. Um, you look at what they are like without D Fox specifically, just to throw some numbers in your face. 
without De'Aaron Fox, they have scored 106 points in five games. With De'Aaron Fox, we're talking about 125 points per game. It's just such a stark difference. And it's it's the the pace is really what it is. And we've talked about it before, but they woke from an 103 pace with De'Aaron Fox down to a 93 pace in their last four games without De'Aaron Fox. That's a crazy difference. I, I cannot think of another NBA player where if he doesn't enter the game for his team at all, they have they play at a, a, a 10 possessions slower per 100 pace like that's absurd that means that like they're just getting so many less possessions on offense and they're not doing anything with that offense because the offensive rating without fox is down to about a about a 98 as well and with him they had an offensive rating of 107 uh it's just really really bad right now man for them uh the 102 points per game they're scoring leads to a total of 214 in the games that they're playing in right now and Look, the the OKC offense is going to be just fine against this defense. They've been pretty fine all season so far, to be honest. And, and this is just a great spot for the, the Thunder, who are a very good road team. They were last year. They're already 2-0 on the road this year. And granted, they've played a, a little bit worse competition, a shorthanded Cavs team that still had Donnie Mitchell, uh, and a full-strength Chicago team that they waxed in Chicago. So I, I think that they, they're going to continue to be that really good road team that we saw them be last year. And that's why I think we're fine with going with them at minus 2.5 once again. All right, Nate's second pick is Boston over 117.5. That's their team total. And I agree. I agree they're going to score a lot of points on this Brooklyn team. I think this is going to be a thrashing. I would even go ahead and consider taking them as double-digit favorites. It's it's at 10.5 now. I did hit it at 9 because my first thought when I saw this was no Cam Thomas. Maybe they get Cam Johnson back, who's going to be rusty when you consider that he's only played, I think, one game this season, which means he's only played once since the end of last season. So this is basically like his second game of an entire season, which is, is just it takes a little bit of time to get the rust off, especially when you're coming back from that injury. The Cam Thomas factor without him, the re- I know this doesn't impact the points. I'm kind of talking about why I just like this to be a blowout. Uh, the Cam Thomas, the lack of Cam Thomas for the Nets, who's now hurt alongside a few other guys like Nick Claxton, it's going to be a big deal for this Nets team who relied on him to score a lot, like a lot, a lot in the 36 minutes that he was playing, putting up 30 points per game. It's just they don't have the offense outside of someone who can create their own offense like Cam Thomas to get to where they would need to be to keep up with the C's. And on defense, like they just they also are just missing key guys at this point, like Nick Claxton really is who I'm I'm thinking most about where that's going to be a huge detriment to their defense for a while until he can be back. And the Celtics right now, they're coming off of uh, the back home after consecutive losses, and they've averaged 137 points per game in the two games that they played versus weak teams still. So I think when you come back home here um, where they averaged 120 a game last season at the garden or TD tray, whatever the heck it's called these days, the real gardens MSG, we all know that. Uh, but either way, when they, when they're coming back here at home against a depleted nets team, like I said, this could be a problem. Like maybe we get Simmons returning. Uh, and, and like I said, Cam J, but the, the pace for the nets has been a lot faster on the road. That's been a big reason why they've gone over more. So there uh, they're averaging more points themselves than nets on top of playing really not great defense as well on the road. Uh, and that's why they're at about 230, uh, 230 points per game on the road themselves uh, in the games that they played in. And they're averaging close to 120, but 
the, this, the, the more important stat here is that they're giving up about 117 as well. And so I, I think this is going to be a solid opportunity for the Seas. This is Nate's take as well, uh, just that the, the Seas, even when they, the reason that part of the reason that they were losing uh, on the road, they were missing Derek White when they played Brooklyn on Saturday, uh, which is what a recent matchup versus them. So uh, it's just not a good spot for the Nets coming to the Garden with a pretty pissed off uh, Boston Celtics team that definitely needs a win under their belt. And I think they're going to take it out on them on offense where we've seen them put up uh, more than 117 already a couple times now at home. So uh, lastly, I'm going with an under actually, and I don't know where you're going to see this number. This is another one of those that I, I know is going to move from what I have it at. I got Utah and Memphis at under 231 and a half points. I don't know if you're going to be able to get that. It, it already moved on a lot of books outside of bet MGM, which is where I saw that 231 and a half. I don't know if they're hanging any more 231 and a half. So if you have it at 228 and a half, I'm fine with it. Like the 228 to 230 number is still really great for an under for me. Um, once you get down to 226 and 227, I get a little bit more nervous uh, just because at the end of the day, Utah is capable of scoring. But and we it really the only thing that makes me nervous is we just saw Utah go over this comfortably at home. And that's the stats that I'm giving you for why I'm going under even at 228 and a half. I'm going under this number because uh, the, the, the we're getting a little bit bloated here. The, the number is by the fact that we just saw Utah beat this team when they were at, in Utah, 124 to 110 and Memphis. God bless them. They cannot play offense. And even getting 110 points was pretty impressive for them. But Utah plays way faster at home than they do on the road. And, and that was the case last year. And that's why I still believe in it this year in, in a slightly well, a much smaller sample size than the full season. Four home games for them and five road games. But in the four home games for Utah, 120 points per game on the road in five, 106 points per game. 0-5 oh, on the road, by the way. They play at 100 pace there versus last year or versus uh, at home where they play at 104 pace. They have a minus 18 net rating on the road as well, does Utah. And, and that's just indicative of how this game is going to go because Memphis will control it. If Memphis has their way, this game is going to be played under 100 pace and they're just going to be looking to take as much air out of the ball as they can on offense because on defense, that's that's all they have right now. That, that's what they have going for them. In the backcourt, especially, I do think guys like Marcus Smart are going to be out there to handle Jordan Clarkson and company, which the guards for this Utah team, really good on, on offense, really bad on defense. And that's fine because the Memphis guards are very good on defense and pretty bad on offense. Like, how much do they miss Tyus Jones and DeAnthony Melton right now on this Grizzlies team without Ja in there? Marcus Smart's just not capable of being the focal point of an offense at this point and probably ever, to be honest, come after me if you want C's fans, but Marcus Martin wasn't it as a, as a starting offensive point guard. So uh, I, I think with uh, the, the the matchup that we have here tonight as well, it's not good for Utah. Um, th this is where they, they really need second chance points. Uh, they don't have Walker Kessler in this game. That's also a very important uh, factor to key in here. Walker Kessler is huge for their offensive rebounding, as we know, and those second chance points as a result. So no Walker Kessler. The fact that Memphis is number one in limiting points in the paint, which is something Utah relies super heavily on, this should be a good matchup to take under a, a, a 230 total. That's way too high. It opened way too high at 234 and a half and got smashed down to 231, 228 in a lot of places. Still take the under 228 and a half there. All right, let's close it out here with the player props. And I'll be a little bit faster with those, but I think there's some interesting storylines in these games that Nate and I have a lot of picks. I've got four listed for you here. 
I'm also going to throw two quote unquote bonus picks at you because Nate has a couple extras that he likes that I actually would ride with him on uh, that I'll mention to you guys. The first one here is Kelly Oubre of the Philly 76ers over 13 and a half points. Totally agree with Nate on this one. It's also why I kind of like to fade Joel Embiid, maybe, maybe a little under for Joel Embiid, maybe a little one, because this is a bad matchup for, uh, look, nothing's a bad matchup for Joel Embiid. Let me be careful with my words here. What I'm trying to say is Detroit's really, really good down low. They're not good on the perimeter. They're going to collapse their defense down low, as we've seen Monty Williams do with that squad. Uh, And that's going to leave Kelly Oubre, Poppy Tsunami, uh, open tsunami poppy i said that backwards tsunami poppy should be open a good deal at this point um he's averaging 17 and a half in 29 minutes and 21 percent usage and that continues to grow he continues to grow his role in this offense and get more uh time to eat essentially as we see that usage rate continue to go up for him he's hit 14 plus points in six of eight games this season love that number uh and really the the only times he didn't was against the worst teams where there was a bit more of a blowout going on uh against washington and portland for this philly 76ers team so um Um, Detroit allowing the six most points per game to small forwards. That's a really good number. I'm going to talk about that uh, in in sort of the inverse here as well with Oscar Thompson uh, as a pick that I'm making. But anyway, to finish the point with Kelly Oubre, that was Nate's first pick, and and I fully agree with it. So I'm going to ride with him on that. I'm giving you a number here that doesn't exist yet. It's for my first player prop. It's Keegan Murray at 14 and a half points. And I think it might be 13 and a half. And I'm taking an under. So I think it might be 13 and a half, but if you see it at 14 and a half, take it. Hell, it could be 15 and a half because that's what it has been for the last five time, five games. It's opened at 15 and a half for Keegan Murray. One of those five games was with uh, our boy De'Aaron Fox and the last four were without him. And without De'Aaron Fox, Keegan Murray is not the same dude. Without him, he shoots 30% from three and he shoots 37% from the field. With De'Aaron Fox, we're talking 42% from three for Keegan Murray, and that's in 74 games. In the 13 games that he's played in his career without Fox, you know what I just said about all those numbers. That's why he averages about two more points per game when De'Aaron Fox is in there. This whole offense just doesn't run without Fox, and Keegan Murray is a really nice fade in a situation where he's playing the Thunder, who are very, very good at guarding small forwards because... They have Jalen Williams playing small forward for them, who's an incredible and uh, incredibly ferocious defender, should be able to handle handle Keegan in when Keegan has to come off the dribble. Uh, if you look at his catch and shoot numbers, very, very solid for Kate, for uh, for Murray there, where he's well above 42% actually uh, from three on catch and shoot, up about 46 When you look at his off the dribble numbers, not the same. We're talking about much worse down uh, to about 37% from three. And that's when De'Aaron Fox is in there to at least keep things um, imbalanced, right? I don't even know exactly how bad those numbers are without De'Aaron Fox yet uh, in terms of the catch and shoot for him. But I just know that for the last three, uh, four games rather, without Fox this season, we're talking about a, a dude who's gone all the way down to about 13% from three. That's really bad for someone who's going to rely on about six attempts from three to get his points. And those are the majority of the shots that he's taking right now are from deep as well. It's a huge problem for Keegan Murray. The spacing is a huge problem for the Kings. Under 14 and a half. I would go under 13 and a half for him as well in this one. And that's probably where I would uh, leave that bet there. All right, last two player props, Jordan Clarkson under 28 and a half points, rebounds and assists. I can't speak to this one as definitively because Nate likes it and I just trust him. Jordan Clarkson's such a volatile dude, but he is worse on the road. He's 12.2 points per game on the road in his last five, shooting 34% from the field and nine percent from deep he did score 20 on memphis when he was at home 
which is what I talked about as well with that bet of taking an under between the Jazz and Memphis because it's in Memphis. And that's where Utah on the road is much worse on offense. Jordan Clarkson is very emblematic of that by being much worse on the road himself so far this season and somewhat historically. Um, his previous two when he played at Memphis, he averaged uh, 21 points, rebounds, and assists combined in 28 minutes per game. Uh, and yeah, like I said, specifically his last two roadies, we're talking about an average of 10 points uh, and seven, uh, I'm sorry, seven, 10 points and seven points respectively that he scored. So there's some good recent, no, recency numbers as well as histor historical numbers and just home road splits for Jordan Clarkson. That would be the, the main three reasons that Nate is going under 28 and a half PRA for Jordan Clarkson. Shout out uh, Mizzou, M-I-Z. And let's finish up with Oscar Thompson, the current better of the Thompson twins in the NBA did not know if that would be the case. Most people, and obviously Amon went one pick before him. I, I don't want to say most people thought Amon would be better. I mean, I, it's general consensus that he is the currently the better player, but they're so young that like, you don't know who's going to have a better career. And right now, Osser is off to a great start. So let's take him against the 76ers to go over 20 and a half points and rebounds combined in this one uh minus 104 on FanDuel I don't see that move, number moving too much either way so I think you, you can hit that at 20.5 PR for Oscar Thompson taking over there he's hit this in every game so far of his rookie season except for his first two that he ever played in so let's give him a break part of the reason he also started to get more minutes right that's part of the reason that he started to hit this more often and the minutes in the last three have gone up for Osser because there's been a, well one he's getting a lot more trust built and two there's been a ton of guys on the wing out for Detroit including Boyan Bogdanovich Alec Burks uh, Joe Harris, Jaden Ivey, and Monty Morris all missing this game uh, on Friday. And all except for Joe Harris played one of the last three. All the other guys missed all of the last three. And in those three games, Osser's jumped up to 37 and a half minutes per game. He's got 12 points per game and 10 rebounds as well. That gets you over this 20 and a half that you would need. I know it's a little scary when you hear that, like, just the 22 per game that he's averaging and that's not quite as much as you need not as much of a cushion between the 21 that we need him to get and what he's averaging but it's still there and and it's a good spot where philly is averaging uh not is not good at defending the small forwards and i would argue that they just got worse um at defending small forwards even though they got a lot of them in roco uh and a few other guys right now like batum even Kelly Oubre playing a lot of the three it will be guarding some Oscar Thompson. None of those dudes have the bounce or the quickness of who we are now calling Pogo sticks. Oscar Thompson, especially because that second jump is so nice for Oscar. Th this is a, a good opportunity for him to take advantage of much slower, older defenders that will, he will be facing. Uh, that's why, you know, Philly's giving up the third most rebounds to opposing small forwards. They're giving up the 10th most points as well. Uh, and I think the combo uh, of points and boards for him is a solid way to go. Seven and a half rebounds. Doesn't look like a lot. Uh, he just got 15, so it still feels like a good number is is, is possible for him to get the eight. Uh, but I threw the points in there because he's also been getting double-digit points in his last five. So I think that's going to be, except for the, the six that he got against Milwaukee, still had the 15 boards, like I said, that got us to 21. So I can still say that he covered in all of his last games except for the first two. So that is pretty much all the time I have for you guys in this one. If you do want a friendly reminder, there's uh, some helpful tools that I have in the description of the video and the description of the um, podcast here as well. If you want to find out some stuff for yourself whenever you're looking for stats, obviously hit me up on Twitter if you want me to get back to you with uh, some answers to some questions that you might have about props and, and stats, other stuff. At JL Boogie up there, land your bets. 
the helpful tools are NBA.com stats page, FanDuel Fantasy Pro, StatMuse.com, official N- NBA injury report, prop finder tool on the lines.com, teamrankings.com, underdog NBA on Twitter. I should also throw out there dunks and threes. That is a really solid website that I found uh, with the help of my buddy Prop Bomb. And also would add uh, one more. Oh, shoot, I forgot what I was going to tell you guys about for the other one. But dunks and threes is a great one. So make sure you check that one out as well. Um, and the only other thing, just my, my friendly reminder, st- if you're starting out betting, watch the games. I cannot stress enough how much that helps. If you know anything about basketball and that's why you're trying to get into it, watch the games. You'll see things that stick out and you'll remember this guy didn't look that good or these guys don't look that good together. And you can use it as a starting point for then what might stand out on the slate. It's your eye test. Then that you run your eye test against the numbers. Uh, you, if you're prop punting, you look at defense defense versus position. If you're you know looking at team stats, you want to look at recent history. What does each team do well? And just attack your logic. Get your get your feel for things. Come up with your predictions and projections of what you think is going to happen, and then find ways to attack your logic by using those helpful tools that I just mentioned to you guys that are listed and linked as well in the uh, the description of the video and the podcast. So. All the time I have for you guys now. Appreciate you riding along with me. Please stick around and continue to like and subscribe to the page. It's super helpful for me. Gets me more followers, which helps me get more content out because I get paid. Uh, so either way, continue to, to uh, have some luck with your be- best your bets, guys. Easy for me to see. Easy for me to say. And until I see you next, happy betting. <laughs>